Well, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay. It's Homo Sword Perrier, crossing swords. Ching, 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 ching. Kind of racist, uh, but uh, issue 158, uh, it's chapter two of Crossing Swords. I'm Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I feel called out for no reason as a gays. <laughs> I thought that the same thing in my head that Kaylin did. I was concerned. Well, this is a rated R podcast, if you couldn't tell. But most importantly, very, very excited to have a very special guest <laughs> with us today. Evil Jeff from Comic Book Queer's Legacy, one of our favorite comic book pop culture podcasts. Evil Jeff, introduce yourself. Hey everybody, it's me, Evil Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. If you don't listen to Comic Book Queers, you should. Uh, it's the one place to go to to listen to two homosexuals do their best Emma Frost and Jean Grey, what they would really be saying. <laughs> and, and I think we really get it accurate. And I want to have our own, please, please contact us, Marvel, if you're listening. So that we <laughs> Uh, actually, I have a comic book just with Gene and Emma doing yoga, going shopping, getting pedicures. Uh, also, arguably, like Nanny and Orphan Maker, because your guys' take oh, on yeah. that was quite, <laughs> quite iconic, I would say. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've comic book uh, queers. We have actually been a podcast. Like we started in like it started in like 2006, and then stopped a couple years ago. And me and Brett decided to start it back up. And uh, yeah, I'm just super excited to talk about X of Swords. Um, my only question for you is you do a Gene and Emma, but you're both Emma. Who does Gene? <laughs> I do Gene and I make her really stupid, kind of. <laughs> okay. Emma, right. no, I'm the Omega. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Okay. Excellent. Well, hey, Ryan, do you want to give us a quick recap of uh, creation number one from last week? Absolutely, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Um, in creation number one last week, a rival island called Arakos sets out to destroy Krakoa. Against the wishes of the Quiet Council, Apocalypse leads a team into Otherworld to stop the approaching horde. A battle ensues and many are wounded. Opaluna Saturnine don't know if I'm saying that right, intervenes on the battlefield to stop them and declares there will be a tournament, a tournament of swords, and the winner takes all, I guess, islands and swords or whatever. No one knows, really. <laughs> I think for uh, the remainder of Crossing Swords, we're going to call her Zataran. <laughs> Zataran, <laughs> the New Orleans Exactly. She's spicy, she's smoky, she's got a little kick. But uh, before I give a recap of X-Factor number four, uh, let's do a quick refresher on the resurrection protocols, uh, the five, and as well as X-Factor's mission. So back during Hawks and Pox, Professor X and Magneto asked Mr. Sinister to catalog every mutant's DNA in case of their death. Once a mutant dies, the five conduct a delicate ritual to reboot, restart, resurrect the dead mutants. And recently, a new version of X-Factor was put together to investigate the mutant deaths in order to assist the five with their resurrection boogie. So X-Factor number four, uh, picking up right where uh, creation number one left off, the team comes back to Krakoa with a wounded Richter and his lover Apocalypse 
in tow, and along with them is a dead, dead, dead rock slide. And Sabanor shares a tender moment with his nubile lover in Healer's Hospital beds right before uh, Richter dies. But thanks to the resurrection protocols, Richter is reborn, and so is Rockslide. Or so we think. Rockslide comes back not quite as himself. The Krakoans discover that anyone who died in Otherworld can't be reborn as their former self because Otherworld isn't a place so much as it is a convergence of ideas. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Rockslide is the first mutant to experience a permadeath since Hox and Pox. Poor Santo, rest in pieces. Zataran, this is now canon, <laughs> closes the external gate till the tournament begins, and Krakoa creates a travel ban to Otherworld because of COVID X, I mean the permadeath. And Polaris begins speaking in tongues, revealing the Krakoan sword wielders for the tournament. And as we expected, the first one up is Magic with her soul sword. Adam, do you want to lead us in a discussion about what happened in this issue and what we thought about it? I sure do. And I'll opening salvo with, you know, what did you think about it? What did you like? What stood out? I have to say, um, Jeff, evil Jeff, whichever, beforehand, we pronounce Polaris wrong and we stick with it. So you're going to hear that name a lot today. Is it supposed to be Polaris? That, that's what a lot of dumb sluts say, and I don't agree with it. But <laughs> I know the correct pronunciation of Saturnine. Please. Is that right? That's what I Did... thought it was. Okay, okay. Well, in Excalibur, the Nazi version spells her name S A T Y R dash the number nine. Ah. So that's why I assume that's how you say it. Yeah, but do you really want to be taking dialect lessons from Nazis? I'm not entirely it's sure. It's the only thing they're good at. Grammar <laughs> 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 Nazis. <laughs> yeah, right, grammar Nazis. Uh, yeah, so what, what was, well, Je Evil Jeff, what was your take, uh, your overall take on the issue? I, uh, I actually am enjoying it. I, I liked that. I thought it was good because a lot of these crossovers, it's like, oh, now here's what this book is. And it's always just some side story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, no, this is literally just the same story picking right off where it left off. And uh, it's being, being, and I feel like it's much more blatant with the uh, Apocalypse Richter, like romance thing that's happening. I'm uh, all for We will it. get into it. Don't yeah. <laughs> and uh, I actually liked, uh, I, I'm someone who's a, a huge Excalibur fan. And so I love the whole uh, other world and the nexus of realities. So I just kind of love that this is the center of everything. And it kind of makes sense, the idea that if you die in Otherworld, you, you'd be resurrected in an amalgamation of all the reality versions of yourself. E I like evil, that. E evil Jeff, may, may I ask you, yeah. uh, as I think generally on this podcast, we're not a huge fan of Excalibur. This Excalibur. Well, I'm talking about this, Excalibur this, from the oh, 80s. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, oh, they- Captain okay. Britain, like Captain Britain, yes. Alan Moore, Okay, all I can sleep at yeah. night, thank God. Okay, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, the current iteration is tough, yeah. Brent. I think there's a certain sense in which, you know, this issue probably pushed the upper bound on which you could have an exposition dump that's still very interesting. And I think that's because so much of this story has been built around trying to reset the X-Men and have real rules that they're able to really do some nice character balancing where, you know, Emma Frost is really reacting viscerally to 
rock slide dying and the kind of carelessness that um, people executed in trying to resurrect him. And so while I was a little bit annoyed, not, not annoyed, it was, it, it was a little bit, uh, it tweaked me a little bit to have them go, we understand that it's because he's, he, he died in Otherworld, whatever. I think I was ultimately still okay, given the amount of passion and the, the quality of writing that I saw, um, you know, to mourn, you know, what is really a real death. Um, I, I thought that was a, it was a very well done uh, uh, character balance. Clark? I'm glad that you said character because this had every single first character's character was like right on perfect. Yeah. I love the fact that Emma goes, whenever a, a student of hers dies, she goes straight to that mama bear mode. And especially with like, um, Rockslide was one of the Hellions that she chose to be on her team. So this is obviously going to kick her right in the ass. Um, you know what I'm going to say? This is probably the best I've seen Polaris issue-wise since uh, Peter David's run, last run on X-Factor. Um, I mean, yes. it's stunning. It's exactly how someone with bipolar disorder would react in this kind of situation in terms of going from kind of like histrionics down to like complete depression to like grabbing a corpse and like creating some sort of structure out of it. I mean, that's what I do all the time. Yes. So I totally get it. Uh, yes, Caitlin. So um, I really love this issue a lot more than I thought I would because I have been kind of hot and cold on X Factor, even though there's only been a, a handful of issues thus far. I liked the first issue. Okay. I like the premise and the characters. I didn't care for the Mojo World Excursion. And I agree with what Clark and Ryan and others have said uh, before when we reviewed the first three issues, the character voices have been off. Whereas Clark, I completely agree with you. Character voices were so on in this issue. And um, Evil Jeff, to your point about like, it felt like it was the right continuation from creation number one, picking up right where they left off. But it still felt like X Factor because it dealt with the resurrection protocols. It dealt with Polaris. It, there was still like, this is, it didn't lose the book's identity, even though it is part of this like greater 22 part narrative. I, I, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. Brent? Yeah. So I do think that while X Factor was a series that probably was my second least favorite after Excalibur, um, it was very important for the X Factor series to exist because it set up the five as being a, an imperfect group that we otherwise hadn't really explored elsewhere. And the fact that they kind of rushed in to do this remake job and didn't really try and work through the, what the potential consequences were, I think is, is it feels like a better trajectory than if this was the first time it happened because they almost seemed, you know, extra godlike. Eel Jeff? I, uh, I want to give some, some love to, it sounds like all of you don't like Excalibur and X-Factor that much. Correct. And so <laughs> there, I, X-Factor is my favorite. So I'm just going to give some, uh, I guess for me, um, Excalibur, I know a lot of you don't like Excalibur, but Excalibur really just was like a 10 issue prelude to right. X of Swords. Yeah. It really was just, that's all it was. And Excalibur, I didn't mind. I didn't hate it, but I didn't, you know, it's, and as, as I mentioned before, I think uh, X-Force is way worse. But anyway, before you all come after me for that, I well, think- you understand it? I, did you understand Excalibur? Hmm? I did. I think also the fact that I, 
just am so entrenched in Otherworld and all that stuff and Opal, Luna, Saturnine that I, that it, I, I already kind of came with the history of that. But then I also wanted to, re Caitlin, were you saying that X Factor, the voices were off in the previous issues of X Factor? I did. Um, I definitely felt Polaris wasn't written the way that she's been previously written before. Specifically, I think Peter David has the um, authoritative voice on her. And I mean that in the sense that like he wrote her the best. Um, yeah. And she just was like, I don't know. I don't know like what felt off about it, but I didn't really love it. Um, I thought North Star was a little, a little off in his issues. Doc and I don't care much about because I don't really care that care much for that character. But like North North Star and Polaris are two some two of my favorite mutant characters. I wish that you know were in more books. I'm glad they're in this, but it, it it just felt they felt like slightly not the way they had been written before. And I'd said uh, on our podcast previously, I didn't like the fact that they went right into Mojo World in the second and third issues. I think keeping it a little bit more grounded uh, early on, especially before this crossover would have helped. Mojo World is wacky as fuck. It's just, mm -hmm. it's nuts. And if it isn't written correctly, it's just, it's noise to me. We, it felt a little bit like noise. We shit on this book all the time. So Evil Jeff, I want to hear what you like about X-Factor. <laughs> um, that's the thing is like, I just, it's hard for me to be, I just, disagree that I think the characters are hilarious and uh, I just love how Leah writes the characters I also loved her West Coast Avengers and it's all about relationships and the fact that we have a book where every male character is bisexual or gay it's everybody is a there's sexual tension happening everywhere <laughs> I can't wait until North Star's husband is murdered so that North Star can <laughs> yeah, finally start okay, having right, right. Right. We can oh, all agree so, so right, he can start agreed. having sex Evil with all Jeff. of these people and yeah. so I guess for me that's what I'm just so excited about. And I will say, I agree, Mojo World can be annoying, but the fact that it updated Mojo World with the annoying YouTube kind of world, I kind of appreciated that. I did oh like, God, no. like that. Clark, what, uh, you get I like Last week I screamed about hating YouTubers and all kinds of stuff. I was very aggressive. <laughs> um, oh, I hate YouTubers too, but that's what Mojo World I think would be. Would be now, yeah. Exactly. Is iBoy bi or gay? Um, he's, he's got an eye for it. I he's just, say. he's, yeah. he's, no, he's no. a foyer. No, sorry. <laughs> he's eye Okay, so X Factor. He's got, he's got a brown eye. Oh, okay. no. we, can, we can move no. all the way That's off. worse than uh, my jokes, Clark. Jesus. Right, right, right. A gross one. Right. Okay, so, so X Factor is okay right now. It's still trying to find its footing. It's tough to go into a crossover this early on. I do think there's good character development. A lot of people said like North Star was a little off in the maybe the like first couple issues. It was maybe because I don't know his sister died. So I do give him some leeway for that. I do like the voices in there. But with that all said, I love this issue specifically because they're like it's an X Factor issue. We're barely going to feature X Factor. What? So, like, you're not going to see any. Rachel is just going to say something bitchy on the side, and that's pretty much it you get. Like, and maybe Polaris is in it. Like, I just love like, that I love crossovers for this reason, because they're just like, we're going to do whatever we want. We're going to include whoever we want, and that's what an X-Men crossover is. Going back to its fucking roots, I love it so much.
I uh, really agree with you, Evil Jeff, uh, and actually all of you. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I always find I'm so usually pissed off about with crossovers is that there's main issue, like Empire just came out. You had the six issues of Empire, lots of really cool stuff in those. Every other one shot or like series except for X-Men was a, it just felt like it just didn't feel all connected. You were just kind of getting an extra slice of life of the storyline as opposed to like this a totally good one shot. Well, that's fair. Are you, Empire, sorry, forget Empire. Think about all the other shitty crossovers that have happened where you're always reading stuff that doesn't really tie in and keep that story moving, um, which I get it. You want to do building worlds, especially if you're creating alternate universes or big events. But I, I just really think that the path that they're taking in this is exactly what I want to see, which is just it's one 22-chapter story, essentially. Which is why I'm, ho I'm hoping it'll be the same. I don't know if that will be a complete spinoff or not. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the five and the resurrection protocols. Now that those are not necessarily out the window, but certainly potentially, especially with this huge sword tournament coming up, potentially resurrecting basically mute co copies of them. Like I don't think Rockslide spoke once after he came back. He just sort of stood around. What's your take Aww. on it? Like if any, you know, are should they be resurrecting people? Um, is it really death? Like, where, you know, what were your interpretations of, of the scenario, Ryan? I, I love Rockslide so much. Uh, ever since New X-Men, the new Mutant series and then New X-Men, like, he's been one that stood out in my mind so much because he is just a good time gal, like, at all times. Like, he just wants to have a good time. He has a very close relationship with Anul, or as we yeah. say on this podcast, Anul. Thank you, Clark. Like, it just, like, they, they are good friends. And, like, that was, like, a good friendship that you see in the X-Men that you hold on to for so long. And it, it makes me so sad that, like, he is gone now. Dead, dead, dead forever. Probably, like, two years he'll be resurrected. But yeah. the fact that, like, like it, it did hurt a little bit. I know they needed to give stakes uh, for this crossover because resurrection yeah. is a thing. But uh, it really hurt me that they went with Rockslide first. I don't know why. I didn't know why I would feel this way. But, I mean, here we are. Evil Jeff? I, the one, I did have an issue with how he was resurrected. <laughs> did they age rocks? Because the, the original Rockslide wasn't a bunch of rocks. He originally did, was like more of like a man that kind of turned into rock form. So I thought it was going to be more like he'd look like that. But no, it was just like a pile of rocks. Yeah. So I was very confused with how they aged rocks. And... <laughs> But I will say the one thing I'm looking forward to is I always hate it when a new character is started over kind of like this, but it mm -hmm. reminds me the good time it happened. I don't know if any of you watched Angel, but yes. there was a character named oh, Fred. Oh, yeah. And she became Illyria. Like she died and her Illyria. body was taken over by Illyria and that she was awesome. So yeah. I'm hoping there'll be an Illyria personality in Rockslide because they've hinted that, oh, he could be evil. So right. I have no idea what he could be like. This is my main thing with it. They're like, okay, this is Rockslide from maybe a different, like, alternate reality because they're in other world or whatever. But, like, couldn't that be a great person? Couldn't that actually <laughs> be a part of the person we know? Like, couldn't they not be a monster? I don't know why resurre resurrection protocols have been called all the way off. I feel like that that feels a I don't Doesn't think it's... Well, there's that. But I also don't think it's 
another person. I think it's every possible individual. It could be because of, I love the definition of other world in this issue too. Um, Cause sometimes I think interpretation of other world are great. Sometimes not so much. Like I love the Alan Moore, the, and the Alan Davis stuff from Captain Britain and Excalibur. I didn't love other world initially in this version, the teeny Howard version of Excalibur, but the whole thing of like, it's a convergence of realities where literally anything is possible. And if you die there, you come back, literally every version of you comes back and it just becomes noise because the no one personality can come through. I think that is such an interesting and horrific concept. I, I, I really, really dug it. I did not interpret it as that. And that makes a lot more sense as to why it just sort of sat there. <laughs> Um, if uh, if you were resurrected by Otherworld or died in Otherworld and then got resurrected, what uh, personality would you want to come out with? Brent? I think I'd look just like this. <laughs> yeah. Hitler's dream, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two Nazi references in one podcast. Amazing. God damn it. Really killing it. Uh, yeah. Oh, see, if I was resurrected, I would personally request to like, I want to be in, I want to be like in Gambit's body. I know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But I'm done with this one. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> there, it is funny because I, when I was reading, because Hickman wrote about how like they're usually resurrecting people at their like pit, physical peak kind of idea. And I'm like, what if you don't have one? What do you do then? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one thing that they've, they've talked about regularly is the fact, you know, like, they've set this up as going to be a thing that will happen for sure that they, you don't resurrect someone's mind into someone else's body. So, you know, there could be a theoretical possibility like evil Jeff gets resurrected, Gambit dies and they're like, we hate that personality. Let's put evil Jeff in instead. And I think that'd be a, a, an improvement. They would have, that'll fuck, I'll fuck everything up. <laughs> rogue? Sorry, Rogue, we're divorcing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> so minds and bodies were being intertwined, but they weren't happening with the five. They were actually happening between Richter and Apocalypse in the hospital. So what, what did you make of Richter's and Apocalypse's special relationship? They're very good friends, say archaeologists. <laughs> But uh, that's what, a Sean did, what, did he, what did he actually say? He said something like, I don't know how to quit you or something to that effect <laughs> in terms of like when he was like reaching towards it. It was so gay. It's so gay. Like, I hate to be like Dom sub within the X-Men universe, but it seemed a very sexual relationship that translates beyond the comics. Kalen? That's the Shonda Rhimes spinoff I would watch in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm done with Grey's Anatomy. I'm done with How to Get Away with Murder, even if it's, I don't even know if it's on the air anymore, but like that, I would definitely fucking watch. I mean, I, it's a dimension of apocalypse we've never seen. There's like a tenderness there. I know we're making jokes about like, you know, them, you know, bumping uglies, but, uh, you know, the fact that like he's showing affection for someone is an apocalypse that we rarely, rarely ever see. Is it, is it really that? So I, I continue to have just a, and I don't know why, I wish like I had this swooping build up to this, this sort of relationship and friendship that's been happening, but I still, it just doesn't connect for me as much as I want it to. And is it like, 
is Apocalypse really feeling this way about him? Because if he's like watching the transformation of Richter and his powers, or like what has caused this stronger connection that I didn't really get a sense from over the 10 issues of Excalibur? Jeff? I think it's when Richter got sucked into that weird gate, they kind of connected because then Richter also came out and just fried all the Eternals, which is yeah. Richter-like yeah. at all. So I think somehow there they were like kind of like bonded almost in like a really bad like alpha, what are those like gay werewolf stories? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like that. But then you also remember on Krakoa, the, the, the fourth law that no one says is everybody is pansexual. That's yeah. the fourth law on Krakoa. Everybody's into right. everybody. So of course they've had sex. I, I don't know why. I just didn't even read it as gay at all. Like more are, 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 are you gay, Clark? I just well, I, I think in the same way that I forgot who the fuck said this now. I think it was Adam, but I, I felt the same way as like, where the fuck did this come from? And it's because Excalibur was a 20-issue prelude in a 10-issue body. Right. Where it's like shit just started happening and I'm really like, between issues, what the fuck? I guess this is what connected? I don't know. It made no goddamn sense. So I guess you're just supposed to read that shit into the middle of something. <laughs> Ryan, I think the line you were you were looking for was um, Apocalypse reaching over to uh, a Richter as they're being floated to the you know medical center. And he says, I didn't ask for this connection to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it reads the same. It, yeah. He could be just sniffing a jacket at the same time. That, that it, to me, though, Mountain, honestly. that to me was the same as Apocalypse in the prior issue saying, like, listen, these are characters you've never heard of before. You're doing great. Just keep, just like, hold on. Uh, this to me is like him apologizing for Excalibur. Like, I don't even know where this connection came from. <laughs> Just deal with it. Um, my brain went off on a slight tangent as with all the references to Brokeback Mountain, and I was trying to remember who were the two women in it. It was Michelle Williams and then... Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. In my head, all I could see was... Notoriously loved Anne Hathaway, yeah. All I could see was Katie Holmes, and I was like, what the fuck was she doing in Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my mind, Katie Holmes. It's like, my husband was gay, too. <laughs> and that's, there you go. It's a real-life Brokeback Mountain. That's where I put the pieces together. Um, let's talk about Polaris's new role as Oracle. Uh, you know, seems relatively fitting for her overall, but what was your take on it? She's, she's great at rhyming, I feel like. Lots of really good rhythms. Ryan? Um. I, I like I like this role for her. Uh, her just being uh, elevated in any status, I'm all I have all the time in the world for. The most interesting thing I thought about the entire dynamic between everything was her interacting with Magneto and like the fact that that was the thing that made her go into that mode of like, well, just like we all have daddy issues, obviously, but like she really tapped into those daddy issues to get like to where she needed to like go with like this nonsense like oracle type of like thing also her and opal something's going on there too i like that <laughs> little bunny rabbit uh yeah <laughs> kayla I, I like that they like followed up on it right away 
because you know she got the info dump in creation number one and she started just reciting the swords of Krakoa and it's like I, with a 22 chapter um, crossover I was a little worried that stuff would get decompressed just pulled out and like you know we'd have to like wait three or four chapters before this shit happened it's like nope she just starts speaking in tongues and like she's like starting naming who the people are and uh, we see the first swords person at the end of the issue. We see Ileana with the, uh, the soul sword. Uh, and it's great. I just think um, it gives me hope that this uh, crossover is going to have a manic uh, um, pace, which is what I want. Well, and I will say particularly for this issue, and I, uh, I, I, there are parts I liked about the X-Factor series so far, parts I don't like. Um, in particular, I think Polaris's characterization, she's felt very meek in the previous issues. And I think that this, I'm hoping that this series will allow her to kick into high gear and be the Polaris that Clark really knows and loves. Um, but I did feel like she was a good standout. And she's also a great main character because I don't feel like they, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for like two, three years now. And like, I don't think we've gotten a lot of good Polaris storylines. So I'm very excited for her, for her to be hopefully a, relatively central piece and not just a, a vehicle of naming swords and rhyme. Brent? So, you know, kind of going on this sword dump, what did you guys think of Doug trying to go through all of the rap lyrics and figure out who was being referred <laughs> to as whom? And 50% of them, people were like, oh, that one, that one means me very clearly. Yeah. Uh, how helpful. I mean, they're right. The cliff notes is six, Caitlin. I'm glad we didn't have another Sinister Secrets because, you know, <laughs> like, we just went right in. It's like, oh, yep, that's Storm. Oh, yep, that's Apocalypse. Yep, that's, uh, you know, that's magic. Like, we, we got it. Like, yeah, and it's stuff that we already kind of predicted uh, when we went through the swords in creation number one. Ryan? I disagree a little bit in terms of, like, I want a little bit of mystery. It'd be like, someone went into the bathroom, but they never came out and yet they got a sword. And you're like, I want to know who that person is. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be confused by like these riddles. All of them seem so flat out obvious. And even like at the, the thing at the end of like who each one was, it was just too obvious. I, I wanted more mystery, Evil Jeff. Well, I mean, they already showed in the, the right. tarot picture. I mean, they that, already showed. I mean, that is true. So the one that's really, although I don't know if you guys talked about this, about there being 11 swords in that picture. Oh, bitch, yes. So we we talked all about, talk okay. about it all the time. Because Gorgon, Gorgon has, has two. Has two. Yeah. So I was assuming that uh, Betsy just has her mental sword and that's Captain Britain in the back. But then there's Magneto yeah. is there, and he wasn't mentioned in that thing with Doug. I know. So that I find interesting. But I also agree. I thought I think it would be more fun if I never knew, and it was like a reveal each time. It, it, it felt like a cheat for them to show us who all the people were. We probably knew magic, obviously, but other than that, it would have been more entertaining to learn them, like maybe every is issue leading up to it or something. Yeah, I, I think it would. I think the appeal would be and I'm hoping this happens, is that at least one of the swords is a fake. That is, <gasps> that is, it's not really the person that they're describing. They're trying to give you a false sense of like, yeah. oh, that's who it's supposed to be for. Well, well, they wouldn't bring up a Cerebro sword for no reason, right? Yeah. yeah. It hasn't been listed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, it, there's it's weird. It's gotta come but into play someone goes, someone goes to set their sword down on the ring and it doesn't do anything. 
there's definitely a disconnect between the people that, and that's, I think, one of the big, not failings, but I think I do like the idea of the mystery of the swords and the people that would be in the tournament. And I feel like there was just so much heavy promotion to be like, these are the fucking people with swords. You'll probably see them, but maybe one will change. Like it's, I didn't, I would have liked a more like overall reveal. And I think to your point, Brent, I think they're still going to have it where the swords don't directly line up with a lot of the advertising or vice versa. And so I think there'll still be a few surprises in store, but I, it, it's, it's almost like, um, what is it? Like when you watch a TV show and then if you ever like read a message board about a show that everybody loves, people will list every single type of possibility in like the first episode on a message board. And you're like, oh, well shit. Now, like when everything does happen, I'll be like, oh, well I would have, I guess I guessed that because I read about it once. And I feel like that's the case here where I'm like, I know every combination of potential sword, every combination of potential character. So like, they're really gonna have to pull some shit out of their hat in order for it to be like, whoa, I did not expect that to happen. The Muramasa blade is wielding the Muramasa blade. <laughs> yeah, I need swords on swords on swords. Uh, call exhibit for uh, that horrible car making show. Kayla. Um, you sound like somebody who didn't watch Lost in real time uh, <laughs> because that's the shit you had to deal with when you were on message boards. It, it was even pre the advent of like social media. We were like, oh, well, here's a theory. I'm like, well, now it's coming true. But I'm just gonna uh, provide a, a counterbalance to what y'all said. Um, last week when you know we were talking about uh, creation number one and Brent brought up, you know, this is almost like a Tolkien or like a Arthur Kembellian type of a, you know, beginning of a story. I predicted that it was going to be like the, it, the first part of, of, of this crossover will be like the quest for the swords and all that stuff. And I am pleasantly surprised they're like, we're just getting into it. It's like, you know, fuck the prologue. We've already had the prologue. Uh, and so like, um, like, just give me the info dump right now and give me other mysteries. Cause I don't need to know the mystery of the sword wielders, even though there may be twists and turns coming. Evil Jeff? Uh, for me, the real mystery now is there's no way in these tournaments that every X-Men is going to win. So what that means is these main characters could die and then have completely yes. different personalities. And I'm scared because Hickman said a bunch of stuff about Storm, Ooh, how she's going to yeah. completely change yeah, and, like, and she's going to be yeah, very prominent. I think she's going to die and be reborn. To be fair, she has not had any characterization for like three years. Yeah, now, so. honestly, giving her anything like, oh, she went get got coffee. It's right. like, oh my god, Storm she, is like. She's gonna come yeah. back and just be like, I don't love Black Panther, but everything else is the same. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Brent, I, I just want to go back a little bit to what Kaylin said, and Jeff, this won't mean much to you, but that was the longest number of words possible to use to say you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> And I'm so glad. That <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um, next question is, on a scale of zero to <laughs> the dad of Hitler, how bad of a dad is Magneto? Jesus Christ. Okay, he's terrible. Listen here, he was almost, he, 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 the Nazis almost killed he and his family. They killed all of his family. So this is like anti-Hitler situation. If you're keeping score, that's now five comments about Nazis in one show. This one let's, is valid, though. This let's do valid. a different, let's do Pol Pot. Let's go to a different. The better question is, like, I try to, like, who is, like, the, like, who's the worst dad? I had the original thing that I had in my head was even sadder. I was like, 
on a scale of your dad versus Magneto, which one's the worst one? Or Iceman's dad. There you I go. Do. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That, 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 that potato. That's that in canon. In canon bad dad. Fuck yeah. Well, six, I think six, I'll have to nominate Apocalypse as the worst father. <laughs> the fact that yeah. his, poor, his poor parenting created this entire series. Yeah. Or uh, Professor X, being the father of Legion, his son can destroy realities because he was a deadbeat dad. They're not okay. good fathers in the X-Men universe. They're just not good ones. Okay. Cyclops we're, is trying. We're, we're avoiding the topic at hand, which is Magneto is a straight up bitch to Pol Polaris. Am I saying that right? Polaris? Yeah. Paul Harris. Symbio. Paul Harris. Who cares? Um, but but the, the fact is, he's a cunt. So I do think he is going to have some sort of heel turn moment at some point where he does what happens in Harry Potter, where like he's just like, not without my daughter, and like does that, uh, you bitch, or whatever, and does the same mother- Valley Field from the 1989 movie? Don't okay. do that, don't do that. Bitch, that you was the name of it, not without my daughter. I want Magneto right. to be played by Sally Field now. Oh, <laughs> yes. You sure. like me, you really like me. <laughs> The whole time you were my daughter? The whole time? Yeah. Yes, they'll, they'll have to turn down her acting magnetism, though. Um, Don't do that. It was interesting that uh, Magneto was kind of a bitch throughout the whole thing, so he wasn't, like, weirdly inconsistent because this, we got a nice scene with Apocalypse, Charles, and Magneto where they're kind of talking about Apocalypse's gambit, and Magneto comes down pretty hard. Um, and I think that's the kind of first really big break we've seen in those three as far as like the nature of governance in Krakow goes. Yeah. That, that thing gets here than them just being at his deathbed being like, you fucked up and you <laughs> fucked up big time. And they're like, uh, I, I just love the panel. It was just the panels okay. were so incredible. He's like laying there half dead and they're just like, you fucking idiot. What did you do now? <laughs> Kayla? I want to answer. I want to answer Adam's original question. Magneto was such a bad father that Marvel retconned that Wanda and Pietro were no longer his kids. There you go. I think that's why he's so mean to Polaris because he I, lost all of his other kids. She's the only one left. She's the only one left. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Because very... it used to be like, oh, Scarlet Witch, she's all powerful. Polaris, just do whatever you want. Now we yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. that anymore. You have what yeah. I have, kinda. Yeah. He's a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what about those uh, extra panels? There were two, well, I should say two pages, one on Merlin's world and then one on Roma's world. Why were those important? What do we think they're going to play in on? Uh, thoughts from the peanut gallery. Kaylin. So I, um, I love these, these info dumps, but they sort of felt a little awkward because I'm like, mm, we're not really talking about this right now. I guess they're just going to, because you know, there's like, what, 12 or 14 of the, the different realms of Otherworld. I did love the descriptions, though. Yeah. And I love that, like, both uh, the floating kingdom of Roma Regina, as well as Merlin's uh, kingdom, what's it called? The uh, Holy Republic of Fae. They're mirror images of each other. And it's because the two used to rule together. Um, Roma tempered Merlin. Merlin brought structure to Roma. Without Merlin, Roma has uh, turned her kingdom into this, like, uh, uh, hedonistic orgy you know, more so than even Krakoa is. It's like, well, we don't have a ruler. We just have, you know, I'm just like a cool chick. And like, you know, you can like fuck and do drugs and do whatever. Meanwhile, you've got the uh, Holy Republic of Fae, which is like a, a mix between Gilead from uh, The Handmaid's Tale 
and King's Landing when the High Sparrow <laughs> took over. And it's like super, super like, like structured and like rigid and like quasi-religious. And um, I love the descriptions. I just felt they were sort of placed awkwardly in this issue. Brent? I am a slut for Herman Melville's style, throwing in random information about whaling. It's just unnecessary. It doesn't help the story. It doesn't feel like it fits. But I think to add to what you were saying, Kaylin, what I'm most looking forward to is over the next series of issues, having these parallel pair of here's one world and here's kind of like its mirror opposite, because that's my guess for how they will fill out and let people know this entire universe. Evil Jeff? Um, I'll just say, I've never got that from Roma that she was like a hidden freak, you know? I just imagine when she resurrected all the X-Men if she was like, before you go to Australia, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> let's have a RJ. Like, did that yeah. happen? Because I never so got that know. from her. I like it, but it's, it doesn't seem like it's wrong. subtext. It's subtext. <laughs> yeah. I, what do you yeah, think no, this Perilous was all about? <laughs> I was, it's sub bottom text. Yeah. <laughs> Go through the door and you'll become something different. You're like, I'm gay. I know. Yeah. It. I know. I'm gay <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. No, I, I did find that fascinating. That, well, on both sides, actually, because I didn't, reading both of those, I was like, originally, I was like, knowing Roma coming from Fall of Mutants, I was like, is that the same one? And then Merlin, I was like, who, what? Merlin? <laughs> like, I was Merlin just was like that in Excalibur, though. Okay. Uh, Ryan, you got a huge head. Um, I'm just so, so excited to see these worlds. And I feel like maybe they're going to be fighting in each one of these different worlds that they're going to, Hickman's going to outline throughout. So, like, I can't wait when uh, Magic just goes into the hippie sex world and it's just like, what? And, like, is tempted left and right because you know she's, like, going to love everything that's going on there. I, I, I'm super excited for how it actually connects. But it would be even funnier if none of it connected at any point. <laughs> and Hickman is just like, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, do you think that, like, do you think I, – I actually hadn't thought of that idea. I, I like it. Do you think that part of the fights between the worlds might be the fight with the world itself? Could be, yeah. Like, did, you're destroying every one of these, like, circle outlier thing. Uh, what they're, uh, every time, any, I mean, we've only read two issues of this, but I feel like it's all just building up to a giant video game that'll never happen. Because, like, when I read those, I was like, oh, these would make great stages for these Mortal Kombat-esque sword fights. And I was like, I can see everything come together. Um, and That's what's gonna happen. What are you I talking mean, about? Clearly, the there's ten of them. It's clearly gonna happen. There, but I'm saying is like they're like it's just it's just even more funny to me as a general fighting game fan to basically be like, okay, great, like this is that one stage, and like you could take all this art direction and throw it on Xbox, and it'll be like an overnight success essentially. Uh-huh. I was gonna say I also like the idea of how like four of those kingdoms are ruled by reality warpers, so pretty much those arenas are just gonna be. Bonkers. Yeah. 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 I can't wait to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Jasper, Mad Jasper. I cannot wait to see him again. I love what a wacky fucking character. Um, Any other big uh, thoughts or takeaways or any other topics that really stuck out to you for this issue? We finally saw Moira again. Yeah. Yeah. We did. That needs to be talked about. And was she just in the background? 
exclaiming because whatever the where, wherever the fuck she is is like exploding. She went, oh, and like that's all I needed. <laughs> that is all I needed, and I was like, I miss her. I miss her every day. So speaking of Moira, speaking of Moira on our alpha issue, I can't remember if it was Chandler or Brett uh, had a really. It was Chandler from yeah, uh, X Street's podcast had a really good theory of like while. The Krakoans are dealing with this shit. Mystique is just hanging back uh, and discovers Moira in her like no place or whatever they call it and like fuck shit up uh, because, you know, she realizes that Destiny is never going to get resurrected. They had that uh, that that conversation in X-Men number six when Destiny is like, you've got to burn it to the ground, uh, you know, and you, that's just sort of like in the back of my mind. So I'm so happy that we got that one little panel of Moira, the first one that we've seen since Powers of Ten, number six, last year. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what was your, so kind of wrapping us up, what was your shining sword moment of the week? Ryan. Yeah. Um, I, I loved, uh, people give crap to Emma left and right, but the fact that she was just like, hey, someone actually died. In a world that no one can die, one of our youths actually fucking died. And like one that I trained and everyone here knows like is dead, dead, dead. Like I like that she like, like stood up for him because everyone else was not really saying anything. And like all of his friends were not even in this issue. So it was nice mm -hmm. to have that point of view a little bit for a hot second. Also Moira in the background, I love every single day. Just always have her in the background and never speak. Brent? Um, I think mine is a, a two-part. The first is, as an emergency protocol, destroying all the eggs. It's a smart move. You do not know what's tampered with. I worry in the back of my mind about what each of the other Cerebro backups uh, has been corrupted by. <clears throat> Part B of that is that Richter came out hotter. He looks great. His skin <laughs> yeah. is great. I'm so happy for him. Like, good for you, Richter. You made the egg work. Yeah, that's important. Caleb? Yeah. Um, again, my favorite part of the Dawn of X books, uh, if we can even call them that anymore, is the world building and how um, they are trying to, they're creating a government almost on the fly. It's like they're building the plane as they're flying it. And they immediately had to put a travel ban on Otherworld. It's like this gate is now shut down. You know, you can't use the gate to Avalon. Like, no, if you find yourself there, get yourself back to Krakoa immediately because there's no guarantee that you'll be resurrected the way that you are. Uh, I fucking love that. It is such um, an important part of the world building that Hickman and uh, Leah Williams and Teeny Howard and the other writers are doing uh it, it's just it just made a ton of sense to me yeah um i love that um gold balls can lay bad eggs i think that's funny <laughs> and uh and then i also do love uh uh xavier that scene we talked about with xavier and magneto just kind of like needling dying apocalypse <laughs> um, and it just really exposes the idea that they they have too many people doing their own thing. Yeah. And I know they're doing their own thing with Moira, but they need to get that 
under control because Sinister's yeah. doing his own thing. Apocalypse is doing it. It's is not. It's like it's almost like it's a bad idea to putting all these like evil mutants on an island together. <laughs> no, right? There is something cathartic about them being like, "Well, well, well, yeah. you <laughs> are the worst." At they show up that. as Heather's. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's it. Really was a scene out of Heather's. That entire end of that book. Totally. <laughs> I was thinking more of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting angry. Oh, yeah. Getting angry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell them the truth. Clark, do you have a, a little shining sword moment? I mean, I've already mentioned it. I do love when someone someone steals a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I I think I'm kind of mimicking you, Kalen, but I really did appreciate a thoughtful and interesting way for them to eliminate or at least debilitate the resurrection protocols a little bit. Because I think it adds those stakes. I think, Jeff, like you said, it, what I love is that they're tying it directly to the story. So it's like the idea that they have to go fight in other world. It means that likely people can and will die. And then it's like, becomes a it's not a question of they just don't come back. It's like, do would you want to resurrect this person knowing that they would be potentially a completely different person or this weird amalgam of personality types? So I think it's a very interesting and innovative way to play with some of these things as opposed to just like, well, that's it. Nobody can be resurrected anymore. Um, so I think it'll add a more complex conversation about how and when, uh, you know, what characters go through in the coming 20 issues that are left over. Um, and we're gonna have three of them next week. So we've got Wolverine number six, X-Force 13, as well as Marauders 13. And we're gonna be having special guest Chandler from X-Reads podcast. But uh, more importantly, right now this week, we really want to thank Evil Jeff for coming on board. Um, love Comic Book Queer's legacy. Evil Jeff, you want to give us all the plugs you can possibly think of for you and the, the, the podcast? Sure, you can find us at CBQ Legacy on Apple, Spotify, any of those places, universehead.com. Um, you can follow me at the Evil Jeff on Twitter and Evil Jeff on Instagram. And you can watch, I am the editor and producer of the show, uh, done by Trixie and Katya <laughs> from RuPaul's Drag Race. And uh, you can watch their show on the WOW Presents Network on YouTube. Amazing. And, and can I just say like, you're doing God's work right now. And the time <laughs> that we're just looking for any sort of like, any streaming or any sort of content that we can like, like you're doing great content, so thank oh, you. So thank much. you. I mean it, because it's it's tough right now. <laughs> All right. Um, so, in Homo Superior announcements, you can check out our regular issue, which will be released every Monday morning. Plus, there's a new Krakoan morning uh, talk show, uh, <laughs> Vicky and Kiana talking swords, which will be released every Tuesday. We have a quick recap of all the thirsty thoughts you had reading the comics, but were too scared to say out loud. It's just a shameless ripoff of Evil Jeff show. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, which is also where Vicky and Kiana Talking Swords is, and Twitter at Homo Superior X. Uh, thank you again, Evil Jeff. Um, check out his podcast, Comic Book Queers. It's fantastic. Uh, we've been Homo Superior, and thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.